Gets his sixth hit on a high-breaking ball. Got a shot at the plate. Here's the relay. Valentin in time. Welcome to Card Wars. Here are your hosts, Paul LaDuca and Caleb Keller. Oh, yes, indeed. Here we are. Episode one of Card Wars. I'm Caleb and he's Paul and we are about to spend a bunch of Cousin Sal's money. <laughs> Paulie man, tell us how this thing's going to work. Well, I mean, it's actually uh, pretty cool. So this is how it's going to work. Uh, obviously, a new podcast like we were talking about, uh, Caleb was talking about called Card Wars and Cousin Sal is going to give us $10,000 each over a 13-week span. Um, and our job is to try to invest in cards and give you, the listener, um, some advice how to invest in cards and try to turn them over over that certain amount of time. Now, um, there's some cards that we want to keep, some cards that we're going to, like we said, want to maybe only you know have them for a week or two or maybe a month. Um, but our Ultimate goal is to build to the national so, which would be the Super Bowl or the Daytona 500 of, of sporting a card events. Um, and, and that's in, I think, late July to mid to mid, late July. And Caleb and I are going to go there and we're going to take some um, lucky fans with us, too, along the way. Um, so this is going to be a wild ride. And with all of our inventory, try to see who wants to give us the most money for all of it at the nationals and only Sal gets a little bit of that as well. So this is going to be a little fun. So this is a podcast on Sal's network, but we're going to have an Instagram live component of this Mm -hmm. thing on the weekend. And especially coming up this weekend, we got a big way to start our IG lives. Yeah, we really do. I mean, um, we're going to be in Kentucky, uh, Caleb and I, uh, in Lexington and one of the better, I would say, Caleb, what would you say? Top five, top 10 card shops, maybe, um, in North America and maybe has the best inventory, uh, top five, top 10 inventory as in public wise, a lot of, we, we do know there's a lot of private collectors. Um, but Jimmy for Kentucky baseball cars will be popping packs at his, uh, place. Definitely, um, this Friday, um, coming up and it's wicked. He's got, he said he's going to take us to his vault. We're both very, very excited to go to his vault. It's been estimated over seven to $10 million worth of cards in that vault killed. So just a quick little hit. Paul is at Pauladuka16, and I am at Jersey underscore Mojo. And not only on Instagram are we doing these lives, we're planning on having packs and boxes that we're going to give away to the people out there listening, and more specifically, that tune into these lives on the weekend. And we might even have a component where we can ask for a car we're looking for and bring players into the chat, right, and see if maybe uh, we could do a deal through there. So this is going to be a very interactive show through the podcast, especially through the lives. Yeah, and and this is this is this I got to give cousin Sal credit. Uh, you and I were on board with this, um, and and the reason why this is, uh, we were pulling this off basically is that we want to make this as much interactive with the fans. We want to be able to take a couple fans with us to the nationals. We want to be able to give packs away to the fans um, as well. So you have to pay attention to some of these podcasts or all the podcasts. We're going to ask some trivia questions. We might ask you like a little footnote that we said something in our podcast. And then on the Instagram live, we're going to ask some people questions and whoever pops up with that question, you might get a free pack. That pack might be a $20 pack, might be a hundred dollar pack. We'll see where we're going with this. And then we'll pop the pack for you. We'll send the cards to you and hopefully you can pop a big card um, on Instagram live with us and have a little fun. We're also going to buy our own packs, Caleb and I, um, and have, have fun with it, but it's all going to be about you, the listener. 
Now, most of the listeners can uh, remember some of those great memories as we started the show. Vince <laughs> Scully on the call, six for six, and uh, tagging two guys at home plate there at, at Shea Stadium. But a lot of the fans out there might not realize, number one, the, the, the depth of your collectible and card collection. Also, the fact that you grew up in a family-owned card store. Yeah, I did. Uh, I grew up in just uh, a family that actually um, collected cards. My oldest brother, uh, Frankie, rest in peace. Uh, he, he collected cards. You know, he was 10 years older than me. So um, he collected the cards in the 60s and the 70s. And I had a, a middle brother that sort of picked up his collection. And he went from about 80 to like around 85, 86, somewhere in that area. It, it was all when we started graduating high school. Then I sort of picked up the collection. But I would say from age six to... Gosh, um, 16. That's all I got killed. I didn't get socks. I didn't get swimming trunks. I didn't get like, there was no such thing. It, it was every single person in my family sent me a box of baseball cards or a box of rarely football cards and basketball cards. But, you know, those days, basketball cards were not really popular. So it was mostly baseball cards. And I collected. And at one time in our life, um, in my senior year or like my junior year in high school, um, you know, my father was out of a job. My mother wasn't really working. And I told my father, Hey, let's go into the, the closet and see what the collection's worth. And I was even surprised. I had quit collecting for like a couple of years. Um, and I had so much stuff. I had about 30 Tony Gwynn, 83 tops rookies, uh, Sandbergs and all those, the flares, the Don Ross, um, and, and the collection w- was, immense so we ended up opening a shop called brooklyn poor uh poly sports emporium um in peoria and it put all of us through uh, our college all three uh, two of my brothers and myself as well um a lot of people always think that um i had a scholarship to go to arizona state to play ball i did not i walked on at arizona <laughs> state my parents had to pay for that or the card shop paid for it so yeah um I've been popping packs and been going to card shows ever since i can remember maybe eight nine ten years old now, when we talk about sports cards, everybody just defaults to, oh, I got an attic of baseball cards. Yeah. You know, baseball is the default sport for sports cards. But, you know, when I started collecting in, like, let's say mid-90s, I remember my first few packs were like the 95, 96 Fleer Metal yeah. basketball. <laughs> but, oh, wow. but, you know, I feel like for the older generations, baseball was was really the only option. There was some football cards. And you mentioned how when the Fleer set for basketball came out in the mid-80s, your mother was the one saying $10 a box. Like you should stack up on these. She, mm-hmm. she could sense that basketball was going to be giant. But really, before mid-80s, your option was to collect baseball cards specifically. It, w- it really was. I mean, I want to say when Upper Deck came out, I mean, and then Lindros was probably maybe that game changer that he was going to be the next Gretzky. Hockey cards sort of got back in the mix in the late late 80s. But you're right. It was all about baseball. Um, nobody was buying hockey football was maybe secondary and there was no basketball. The tops had stopped. If you, if you look after the, the uh, bird and the magic rookie, which is 81, 82 tops had really stopped making basketball cards all the way up to 86, 87. Now the rare cards that are hard to find were the star cards, Caleb, because those were sort of like the middle cards made by a company that really nobody knew about, you know what I mean? And they're hard as heck to find. And then when the 86, 87 flares came out, Nobody was buying basketball cards. And I remember I was in a card shop in um, Phoenix, Arizona, and I had a 65 rows that I was mowing lawns trying to pay off of the lady. Um, the name of the place was the dugout. Um, and uh, uh, the lady there had a layaway. So you could put the card on layaway. And I remember I owed like 50 more dollars on it and I went to go pay on it. 
And my mom basically said her exact words, I'll never forget, was she grabbed about four or five boxes of the 86, 87 flare, and they were $12 a box. And and nobody wanted them. And I, she grabbed them, and she loved Michael Jordan. was her favorite player, uh, favorite athlete. She loved to watch all of his games. And I remember her saying, she goes, I go, why are you buying basketball cards? Because they're not worth anything. Nobody really collects them. She goes, exactly. They're going to be worth something someday. And um, if a lot of people don't know, what are those boxes going for now? I would say, I mean, mean it, they're astronomical if you can even find one. Well, I can tell you this. They've put them side by side. If you would have bought those $12 boxes of Fleer compared to Microsoft or Apple, the Fleers are way outpacing the, <laughs> it's the unbelievable. on computers. I mean, it's not even close. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. But she hit the nail on the head, and that's um, what you didn't really know is that nobody was buying basketball cards. And that's when the boom sort of came with the OPG um, um, hockey cards because – it was really hard to find Opeachy. You only could get Opeachy in Canada. So if you had the top Gretzky, uh-uh, you wanted the Opeachy Gretzky. So when that started to come over, then Opeachy started bringing over baseball and and their hockey cards. And then that boom started a little bit with hockey. Um, so those were those hockey was sort of brought in, but still basketball was not on the rise until that 86, 87 set came out. And that didn't really hit that big. You got to understand, it didn't hit big until everybody was like, oh, nobody has any of these. And then it ended up being everybody's rookie card. I mean, it, it still defaults. If it, It's crazy how it defaults to everybody's rookie's card. You know what I mean? Jordan, they, they counted as Jordan's rookie card, even though I have yet, I haven't seen any 84s or 85 stars out there in a while. I mean, you've seen, I have an, uh, an 84 Olajuwon star that's Hakeem with an H before he changed his name to Hakeem. But most people just consider that 86, 87 set, all those guys, rookie cards, Carl Malone. I mean, I mean, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Patrick, you can go on and on. There's a zillion Hall of Famers in that set. You know, when I was first getting into the mid nineties, it was a boom time. You know, you got MJ, you got the championships coming, you got Penny Hardaway. Uh, and then as I got into the early two thousands, you know, LeBron obviously spiked the market. That was the beginning of, super premium cards and prices. Yes. You know, they brought in that exquisite co- collection, which was I think 500 to a thousand a box. Now those rookies are selling for like a million of LeBron. Mm-hmm. But as it got into the 08, 09, early 2010s, there was some realignment in the card game. And, you know, when I would go to shops 10 years ago, it was like, I was going to maybe scratch a little itch, but there wasn't, there wasn't much buzz going on at the time. What is it about these last two years? has got this thing absolutely booming. You know, that's a great question. You know, it was booming right around you know the chase with bonds and all them and this and that and then when they flooded the market with a lot of stuff i mean everybody started coming out with stuff they were making garbage pail kids they were making a boris was making cards um they were making just crazy cards out of nowhere and 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 charging crazy prices thinking that everything would catch and then what ended up happening everybody started flooding the market and flooding the market well, everybody backed off and cards have back, backed off in the 2000s. Um, and then the Bowman set came out and Jeter and Rivera and those boys started to come out. And I, I think that started picking up a little bit of speed in baseball. But I think PSA, I mean, let's be honest, PSA has changed the game, Caleb. I mean, because you would go into a card shop even up to five, six years ago, even sooner, even now. Um, but for us, for me, I mean – it was looking at that card and studying it as much as you can and this and that. I never looked at the back of a card. 
I never always looked at centering of the front of the card. Now they take the back of the card. Obviously, I always looked at the surface. Obviously, you always look at the corners. The corners were the number one thing, and the centering was the number one thing. But they have changed the game with surface, centering, back, front, and have changed the gap from a 10 to a 9. And a 10 to a 9 could be so minuscule. And I think they've they've done it right. Like, listen, if you have a 10, you got something that's going to hold its worth. Um, and I think that that's changed the game because when we were collecting cards back then and, and, and selling cards back then, those cards didn't really hold their worth. If you bought a Paul Molitor rookie in 1978, who was going to be a future Hall of Famer, um, was it going to hold its worth? I don't know. But if, if it says PSA 10, it's going to hold its worth. I don't know. It's just, just that stamp of approval, I think, has completely changed the game. And then, obviously, I think the way Panini, uh, a lot of these basketball companies and Panini has handled it is doing all these separate sets, putting all these the designs that they do and the jerseys and game used jerseys and all that. And, and that was a model that baseball started to towards the end of my career, which they started using game used jersey, game used bats, stuff like that. Um, and I think when they brought that into basketball, um, you know, you bring the fan into the game when you do that, you know. I was looking back and I think a key part of how how well the market is doing is the the current draft classes because you know you 96 through 98 you had Kobe, you had Tracy McGrady, you had Tim Duncan, but from that stage in about 98 to all the way up to LeBron 03, Paul, you had a lot of years where you had Stromile Swift, Kwame Brown, Andy Curry, Tyson Chandler. So, you know, you wanted to be chasing after these 01, 02 tops, but to give us Mahomes a couple years ago, to give us Zion doing the two-headed slam, I mean, the rookie classes are what pushes this market. Well, the other part about this too is is we got to give a lot of credit to Yao Ming. We got to give a lot of credit to Dirk Nowinski. I mean, Mm -hmm. these guys have changed the the card game. It's it's gone global. You know, Listen, Chris Webber was a great player when they came out with those cards. It, it, David Robinson's rookie card is way undervalued because the hoops card it was it, everybody had it. I mean, you could see it in the pack back in those days. I mean, I actually have a pack where the David Robinson's in the back. You could see it in the pack. Um, but the game has turned so global, Caleb, and you know this. And here's the other part. These kids, too. Or, or 18 and 19 they're not like Shaq Shaq came in the NBA at 22 23 these guys are coming in at 18 and 19 so your investment for the card is now giving you three or four more years to to elevate a little bit more where Shaq had to hit it immediately or Penny Hardaway who was dynamic for those two years if he was dynamic at dynamic at 18 and 19 what would his cards would have been at that time and then you got to learn how to sell at a higher point but I think the kids coming in the league a lot younger is helping the card collector um, prospect how they're going to do later, I guess. Um, and that's helping. Um, you're getting a lot more years. I mean, you look at some of these guys, you're like, wow, this kid can't even have a beer. And, and he's averaging 20 a night. I mean, it's like a kid like LaMelo. It's a shame, obviously, what happened to him. But um, I would think people might have backed off of him. Um, watching Lonzo play and thinking Lonzo might be an average player and boom. This kid can flat out play. And and so I think that has a big part to it. You know what I mean? You talked about it being an international game. And once we get on these Instagram lives, Paul, you're going to meet so many people. I mean, oh. I got a guy from the Netherlands who I, I talked to uh, here and there. He sold a big one-on-one prism card. And I was just messaging him, you know, why he sold it. Kind of curious what the final price was, what the thinking was. Got uh, Instagram friends from Korea. I mean, it's, it's incredible how, how far and wide it is. But you know this, Paul. 
I know you got you know how to hit an inside fastball, an outside changeup. You know all the, all the rosters in there, but you're gonna have a tough time hanging with me, man. In this in this card gig for profit, I've been I've been in every break for the last three years. All my money, my, I had a guy, I had a financial advisor hit me up. I told him, man, my 401k's got a bunch of Lewis Robert rookie cards in it right now. So this is what I've been doing, man. You're gonna be having a hard time hanging with me. No, I think I am. I think I am. I know. I listen to me. I know I am the underdog. But here's the deal, like. I know what ballparks a lot of these guys have pitched in. I've already looked a little bit at the Dodger roster a little bit. I've already made some phone calls. You got to understand, Dave Roberts was my leadoff hitter. Alice Cora hit before me. Rocco Baldelli is one of my good friends. I've talked to all three already. I got some inside scoop on some guys. Um, um, Jeter Downs being one of them. We'll see if he's going to get some ABs. I got a, a call later with Alex. So um, baseball-wise, I know. Basketball-wise, it's going to be a little tough for me. I already know know who I'm looking at. Um, this is going to be very, very interesting because Caleb and I are going to invest in more made cards um, and try to, to flip them over. So I'm going to be looking for guys maybe that can have a nice little April here um, as opening day is creeping upon us, obviously. Um, and, and, and Caleb's probably going to be looking more for basketball heading towards the playoffs. We'll see. I know he's going to dip more in basketball. I'll dip more into baseball, but then football too. I mean, listen, with all these trades going on in the draft, you got to make the right moves with the cards too, to see what, you know, what you want to do with some, some guys like San Darno. Do, do you want to pick up a guy like him? And maybe he lands somewhere or, you know, cause with all these changes that's going on, what do you do with Jimmy G? A lot of things are going on. You know what I mean? And to, the fact that we're building up to the Nationals is going to make this thing even better. I believe I just heard that the NBA draft is going to be the 29th of July, which is during the Nationals. It's going to be basically a week or so after the NBA Finals end. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on on what I feel like the market is going to look like uh, at that point when mm-hmm. we get to the big dance. And this isn't just going to be any Nationals, Paul. This thing got canceled last year. Yeah, I, People, I mean, the, two years ago was an incredible turnout. I've, I've seen uh, Card Collector 2. One of my guys on Instagram, you know, he had a trade night. It started out in a little room and then it got to a bigger room. And then the last time they had it, it was in a entire ballroom. So who even knows what Chicago is going to look like in late summer? No, it's, it's going to be insane. And and listen, we've talked to a couple big hitters um, that are so excited that uh, to be there. And another part about this is the euros are coming up and the world cup is coming up. So a lot of people are investing in um, soccer cards. And the other part is, is the World Cup's going to be in the United States in five years. Now, I know we're doing this for only 13 months, but uh, I know a lot of big guys that are putting some money, including Jimmy, who we're going to see in Kentucky, um, money into a lot of um, um, soccer cards. I know you've invested in like maybe a couple here and there. I'm going to look into that world too. Uh, and he said he's going to hold for four or five years because when it comes to the United States. So, um, we're hoping throughout this whole process um, to learn from you, the listener, to help you uh, to help you out as well. And, you know, the people that we get on the podcast and and we're going to get a lot of guests as well. And we're going to go to a lot of different card shops um, and to learn from all of them, too. I mean, I'm sure Jimmy's going to teach us a lot, too. So um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to look from anywhere from golf cards to whatever cards that can make you money. It's just the bottom line. I think you might have said 13 months. This thing's going quick. This is a 13-week deal. 13-week, I apologize. Yeah. Up to the, to the Nationals. <laughs> so season one is going to come and go. we got to get right to it. But let's talk about the current state of okay. the card market. I feel like we're coming somewhat out of a time where the market's a little dormant. You know, There's always a little dip after the season starts. And I'm a big believer that once Prism gets released, which I don't know how or why 
it has taken all the way up till April past the all-star break to get these prism basketball cards out. But once prism hits the market spikes because those cards start selling big. And then when they see what a Lamello or a Wiseman is going for prism, they say, well, okay, let me just get a booker. Let yeah. me get uh, a Kawhi Leonard. And, and then those start puffing up. So once these prisms get released any day now, the basketball card market is going to start to rise. It's just the bottom line. It's just like anything else. And listen, the lure of them holding it back makes you want them even more, doesn't it? So, I mean, they got this down to a science. Um, and you got to make a decision whether you want to stay with last year's boxes, which you and I have discussed that you still think staying with last year's boxes right now is better than buying the newer boxes um, profit-wise, no? Well, my problem with this year's box is Okay, you bring out hoops, which everybody knows is kind of just a little starter set, but they yeah. were so expensive. But, you know, your chase card, LaMelo Ball, he didn't even sign them. Like, they're redemptions, which I feel like is another thing that Panini dropped the ball. Like, if you can't get Sadiq Bay to sign his autograph cards, okay, whatever. But you're going to print the guy on the box, and now you're asking these breakers to get all excited when they get a white card for a redemption they're going to get back in 10 months. So, you know, that was a long haul. The next thing to come out certified, nobody ever grades certified, and that stuff's expensive. So, yeah. you know. I think you're probably giving them too much credit, Paul, that they purposely made uh, us wait so long. I think the pandemic's affected them to get well, enough printing. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a long way. And then and in baseball, you know, baseball also here's the time where we're just a couple of days out from from this first pitch. And series one has already landed for tops. The set collectors are out big, getting their uh, 2021 set together. And baseball and basketball together are ready to shoot up this mountain. No, they are. They're going to shoot up this mountain is right. It's because, you know, last year was it was tough to judge. Right. Um, we've seen it a little bit in basketball this year, going from the bubble to obviously the regular season. What's going to happen this year? That's going to be very, very key in a 162 game season. I think you're going to see a lot of young kids get a lot of young opportunities um, because I just think that over the season and over last season, there were so many injuries um, and then they started up again with spring training. I, when I talked to Alex about this, Alex core, the manager of the Red Sox, he even said, he's got to take it slow with a lot of his guys. Um, I don't, I think, don't really think you're going to see a lot of teams with five starters the whole year. You're going to see like, uh, like, like a Clayton Kershaw probably missed like eight to 10 starts. Walker Bueller is probably going to, uh, miss like five to 10 starts. They're going to rest these guys. And I don't see a lot of guys getting over more than 30 starts this year. You might see the Garrett Coles, obviously the beasts, the guys that are the horses, but teams that are very, very good like that. They know they're going to make the playoffs um, like the Dodgers, like the Padres, even though that's going to be a dogfight in that division, but, but the good teams, they're going to have um, plenty of time to rest their guys. So I think younger guys, especially in those markets are good guys to pick up like a guy like gray, for, for uh, Los Angeles who might be able to get some innings or get some starts. So you got to look at guys like that because I think this year managers are going to give their guys like Booney is going to give a lot of their guys off because he can't afford to have Stanton and judge missing 80 games. You know, I mean, he needs those guys in the lineup, you know, you know, last year I heard from the head of eBay collector sales that last year was the first season that basketball surpassed baseball on total sales, which was surprising to me because I feel like basketball has been, been ruling the market for a while. But then I thought about it, you know, baseball had like a three decade head start. So your mm-hmm. Mickey's and Roberto selling now, basically the modern chunk of basketball, 30 years has surpassed a 60 year type of baseball window. But I do think they just had the, the Dallas, the Dallas uh, collectors convention. And I heard the guy say that what was hot there was baseball. 
Yeah. And I feel like baseball, I've been saying this for a while. Baseball has been lacking star power, right? You know, we had in the night, we had Griffey, we had McGuire, we had Bonds. You know, there was a while where Mike Trout's the best player in the game, but they never make it to the playoffs and he's yeah. not in any commercials. But now you got Tatis, you got Acuna, you got uh, Soto, you got these guys that not only are they are they great young players, but they're going to be in the playoffs mm-hmm. making a deep run. Yeah. No, listen, I, I think the crazy thing is, is I think the pandemic helped baseball. And it's weird to say that, but you got to see a lot of young kids. Last year, I mean, there's um, and the Marlins ran through their whole organization and we got to see Sixto Sanchez. Um, um, hopefully he's going to be OK. I think he just got diagnosed with COVID and hopefully he's going to be OK. Um, but we got to see a lot of young kids play, Caleb, that were in A ball or in double A. And we got to see the best prospects. You know, a lot of teams had to make a decision last year. Oh, OK, this is our best prospect um, in our, you know, in our our whole organization. Now we keep them at the alternate side or we give them at bat. So we're going to play them. So like I said, we saw a lot of young kids, Oscar Hernandez for the blue Jays is a, is a, a nice player. We get to, we got to see Bo Bichette play every day. We got to see Vladimir son play every day. Biggio son play every day. And the blue Jays are going to be a monster little team this year. Um, you know, so you got to see Dominic Smith turn the table for the Mets. So I think the, the day of, Signing a guy like me in his late thirties when to be a pinch hitter off the bench are over with. So you're just going to, they're, they're rather, rather than that, they're going to bring up the 19 or 18 year old kid or the 20 year old kid that throws a hundred than a 38 year old reliever or anything like that. So I think we, that's what ended up happening. And that's why the card market for baseball and like the Hunter greens, like you like are so high because they're ceiling so high because, you know, maybe Maybe 10 years ago, Hunter Green wouldn't be in the big leagues in two, three years, but he's probably going to be in the big leagues this year. Now, I'm a Reds fan. That's for the personal collection. I don't necessarily know if anybody's going to be buying a minor league pitcher from Nationals, <laughs> but I think one thing about baseball this year is that this season, they're going to have a standalone chunk. You know, last year they kept on, on arguing back and forth about getting this thing done to start the season. Well, they could have had a whole month before basketball started, and instead they only had a week and then it overlapped into football. Whereas this season, once we get to the Nationals, that's when basketball's going to be over with. You still got, you know, another five, six weeks to football. And now baseball for yeah. the first time in two seasons gets to take full stage there in late summer. Yeah. Um, it's perfect timing. I mean, they, they always do the nationals, the perfect timing will be right there at the all-star break basically. And you'll know where everybody sits. You, you basically at that time. Right. I mean, I, usually by that time you sort of know where the MVP is going, Who's been the breakout player? I know for you, are you looking for Louis Robert to maybe go 30-30 this year and, and have your collection go to the sky? Listen, um, I'm looking at Jeff McNeil for the Mets. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I'm just – I know I'm a Mets fan. I got my Matt, Har- Matt Harvey jersey on for Sal, but I really truly think the kid can lead the league in hits. Um, so you got to look at guys that are going to peak or guys that, that could be sneaky all-stars. Um, and when we get to the, to the Nationals – that's going to be our goal to try to sell our collection for the most. And, and, and the nationals is so unique because you're going to see cards that you just don't see. I mean, it's a, that's the great part about it. And, and me being an old school guy, obviously the older cards and seeing those older Clementes and o- o- older like Yogi bears and, and mantles that you're used to seeing. Um, you only can see those usually at those big card shows and you'll see some big wigs. You know, I had this idea. This is actually last year. These things have inflated so much. That I don't know if I'll be able to afford it. Maybe I'll, I'll if, I, if we crush this Cousin Sal deal, maybe I'll be able to afford it. But I always wanted to get 
everybody wants a Michael Jordan rookie, but I kind of wanted specifically a PSA five because five is my lucky number. Okay. And that's number 57 in the set. My mom was born in 57. So like my five and 57 would be right there on the slab. But I've noticed that there's different types of fives. So my idea was to go to the nationals, look at every five on the floor. Cause there's gonna be plenty of Jordans. And then I wanted to find one that looked good up front. That's my deal on buying expensive okay. cars and then find one on the back that had discoloration or scratches or whatever. So I wanted a good looking on the front PSA five Jordan, but man, those things were like last summer, they were going for like 2,500 somewhere in there and now they're probably like eight to 10. So we'll see, but you know, the amount of quality top cards, I mean, these, guys are taking these things out in humidifiers they got little pouches that have like the temperature gauge on their four hundred thousand dollar kobe it's incredible it's like they're no it's like that's they're, they're carrying their wine i've played with two guys steve traxel he used to carry his wine around but then dimitri young had his collection of cards in there too that yeah listen they're taking this seriously but like when the cards are going up this big you saw i had three jordans um i, I sold one. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we, put, we took it out of the case. We took it out of the case. We put it in the light and uh, things crispy. Yeah. So, I mean, so I got an eight, I resent it back, got it as an a nine and I sold it um, probably way too cheap a, a while ago. And then um, I still have the other one, which is probably about an eight. Um, and then I have the fake one. I don't know if a lot of people remember they, they made a fake one. That's, you cannot tell unless you look at the front. You can tell, but it's dead perfect. They were even selling the fake ones at one time um, during the Last Dance documentary. So I'm like, you got to be kidding me! This is unbelievable. So yeah, it's it's a it was a card that me and my brother always saved. I had for a while. Um, and it's just it's the it's the most i it's got to be the most iconic card. It's just 100%. because I mean it's the Air Jordan logo first of all. Is it not? I mean, it's it's the Jordan logo. It's it, it, it's him dunking the ball. It's 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 just an iconic card. It's just the bottom line. And and like, you know, LeBron's famous card is him holding up his jersey, and you got you got Jordan doing basically the the dunk. So um, everybody wants a piece of that card. And I remember when we pulled it, I, I ran around. We were we, we opened up the packs. I ran around the store like three times when we pulled it. But back then, you thought you had a brand new mint card. Mm-hmm. So we probably pulled. The crazy part about it is, Caleb, I probably in my lifetime sold about seven of them at the shop um, when we had them because at that time they were, you know, going for uh, eight to a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand, and then it got way up there after he had won his championships when the card started going up. But then they're not, I mean, you wish you would have kept them now, but probably had about 10 over time, you know, somewhere in that area. And me and you were talking about this, how you are looking for eye appeal when you're going to buy these cards with Sal's money. And, you know, Jordan, he had the ultimate eye appeal. You can't even Mm -hmm. see another guy in the photo. He's skying over everybody. Going back to Zion with the double-headed dunk. Another problem I got with Prism, I'm not trying to bag on this Prism release, but not only did they make us wait forever, but did I see this LaMelo ball? You know, he's, He's running the fast break. Why is Valachunas in behind him? Why is the cameraman like adjusting himself underneath the goal? I just, the the LaMelo image for the prism left me wanting. Yeah, I know. You know, here's the thing. I think camera day, listen, when you get a photo day, you, you have the photo day, you have like the tops guy there, the Panini guy there, and they're taking all like kind of crazy photos or they're taking photos of you hitting in the batting cage. And, and I think photo day might've got canceled. So like, yeah. And the other part about this too is, I, 
I, I loathe the bad, bad autograph. I do. I, and I understand, like, I get a lot of these kids got to sign a ton of autographs, but just give me some kind of effort with your autograph because it, it can ruin the card. I mean, I've looked at a couple cards with you that I'm like, ugh, I got to find a better one with a better autograph. I, it, yeah. That's got to be centered too. You know what I mean? I mean, that's part of it. You know, I'm gonna actually going to be in um, a, a series too, and I got some cards coming from Tops, and you'll see. Well, I'll, I'll sign them for you guys. Um, on Instagram live and sign them for you guys uh, on the podcast. I take pride in my autograph. My mom was a substitute English teacher. So <laughs> um, I sign him with my number um, and, and try to keep it centered, but that's part of it too. I, I look at some cards and I look at the autograph and I'm like, Ooh, I'm just not going to buy it. If it's just not appealing to the eye, because um, I think that's part of it. I mean, I, I've always thought it was part of it. A card that's appealing to the eye and a card that has a nice autograph on it, um, to me, will sell over time. Some people look at the autograph and, and just don't like it, you know? I've never been I've never been against like a sticker autograph. I think they, sometimes they look fine. I remember pulling a Carmelo Anthony sticker autograph. It was an 03, one of the first upper deck boxes to come out. You're chasing after LeBron. But, of course, I was very happy to get the Carmelo. He's in the Syracuse jersey and they had the sticker autograph. But like you said, the quality or the lack thereof, I mean, uh, our man Lameem James on Instagram, he's been blowing up uh, Cam Reddish all year. I mean, Cam Reddish signed some autographs. He threw a little uh. squiggle. I mean, these are, you're talking about a thousand dollar pack. You get a lottery pick guy and you got just a, a careless squiggle. There was one with uh, De'Aaron Fox. There was a video that come out where he was signing cards and he kind of shows up to the camera and just like drops it on the table, just like yeah. tossing these cards around and everything. So, I mean, not, not everybody took care of their autograph and, and these cards like you did. Well, you got to understand, I was a collector, right? So a lot of these kids aren't collectors. And what you do is, and I do, I have a lot. And you'll see over the time, I have a lot of my prom promotional cards. When like Panini first started out, Panini didn't have a license for MLB. They used to, and they still don't um, send the cards, but they send you like 10 extra. Same with Tops, same with everybody else. So that if you mess a couple up or you mess some stickers up, they send you a couple cards um, that you can keep and send. So I got it like, I don't know, 15, 20 promotional cards that I never signed. But, you know, you try to sign them. Listen, I understand. You try to sign them as quickly as you can. But and, and I understand they're just trying to get it over with. But I don't know. I always wanted to take pride because when the card comes out, I wanted it to look like my signature that you got maybe at a card show or you got from me from the ballpark. I wanted it to always be consistent. Now, I always had heard that Albert um, Poulos, if you look at Albert, Early, early in his career in the minor leagues, he signed Albert. But his plan was, and and still is, is that if you ever look, because you've seen, I got a couple All Star hats signed by him that are A dot Pujols. That's how he signs it. But he, but when he retires, he's going to go back to signing Albert, so that it will be a newer autograph. So if you have A, it's only when he played. So, um, so there's a method to madness how guys can control their stuff. So, um, and you know, an agent will tell me, hey, listen. I'm, I'm not as relevant as I used to be. So you can't sign that autograph or do that many shows a year because people are not going to want your autograph. So you got to learn how to do this here and there. So these guys sometimes when like a De'Aaron Fox or the, or Cam Reddish probably get like 10,000 cards. I can kind of understand like, they're just like, Oh, let's just get this over with. And that's what ends up happening. But like you, like you said, it's just, I want to at least be able to read one of their names, the first or the last, you know? 
Now, for some of the listeners that are tuning in for the first time, they might be wondering, how do these guys know each other? So we've been lucky <laughs> together uh, to work in horse racing television for coming up on 10 years. We worked at the same company for a good long while. We lived at the same place. Uh, it was termed Animal House West. Shout out to Joaquin and, and Tom. A part <laughs> of that, we got great stories to come there. But over the time that we were together, Paul, I remember, you know, when you would do an autograph signing, you'd say, well, I've got plenty of your promotionals. You'd always add the 16 to it. Uh, I've got plenty of the ones that you saved back for my collection. And then also... One of the most memorable times I've had uh, around baseball in LA was when we went out to this a smaller card show before this whole boom happened. This is probably about four years ago, and we went out to Anaheim, right by Disney World and uh, Disneyland, I should say. And it was Jesse Orozco, the late great Tony Gwynn, Robin Ventura, and you. And I remember just kind of going back into that uh, small little room, and uh, Tony was there, just nice as could be. But it was just like they'd have 108 by tens, and then you have 50 bats, and they have 125 hats, and they're just going down an assembly line yeah. and. Seeing that process work was something. Yeah. So what they do is, Caleb, is they'll they'll set you a set of like, okay, listen, you're going to do 2,000 items. So whoever's waiting in line, so probably Tony at that time probably did 1,500 live items. And then the other 500 items are probably mail-ins or not. So they go in the back. Kevin Mitchell was back there, actually signed something for me. Um, I was a big Kevin Mitchell fan. Um, He got one of the hits to keep the rally going for the 86 Mets. Um, But you're right. That's basically what they do is they set all that stuff in the back for you. That's signed for the promoter. uh, That's signed for people that mail in stuff. And then you got to pay attention. You have to bring somebody with you that's charting it down, especially a guy like Tony, God rest his soul, Um, especially guys like that that were big time. They have to have a guy that's around them because, listen, you don't want to get taken advantage of. The other thing that changed, too, was, you know, I always signed Paula Duca 16 or Paula Duca best wishes, good luck. And that changed and everybody just started signing their name um, and then charging for their number. So it's another $15 for the number. And I remember telling a promoter, I'm like, no, I write my number. So now if I put four time all-star, I get an extra $15. My walk-up song was staying alive um, by the Bee Gees. Some people want to put that on there. I get an extra money. So you get extra money for extra, um, you know, signatures or scriptions, you know, so it, that changed where I was, I don't know. I was always used to put Paula Duke at number 16. That was my number, but now guys don't put their number unless they get paid for it. Now, in terms of how we're going to buy these cards, right? Uh, you, as much, as many cards as you've had over the years, and you've been a guy that works in the store and whatnot, but you're, you're kind of a rookie to eBay, right? Everybody listening to this that collects cards knows the eBay watch list and how to, Yep. snuff out the auctions and whatnot so ebay's probably gonna be the top mode but there are some other ways including open it up to the panel out there on instagram live that maybe we can work a deal through through the listeners out there but how are you planning on spending this ten thousand bucks well well i'm be, listen i've already got some some cards scattered out already i'm gonna do a little bit of everything definitely gonna scout out the ebay i'm gonna definitely start a uh, scout out star stock um and see some Seems some of those cars, obviously, is the guys I'm looking at. And, and then, yeah, like we said, like on the Instagram lives, we want to get the people involved and and what cards that I'm looking for. And we want to buy cards from you um, if it looks like it's an OK card, even if they're graded or not. So I'm going to do a little bit of everything, to be honest with you. I'm going to focus. I think the first part of this, I'm focusing on the first month. I'm trying to focus on four or five players that I think it might have a huge April Caleb. Um, and go from there, grab a couple, grab a couple basketball cards just to tickle the fancy and rattle you a tiny bit. Um, but I'm, I'm coming with a couple guys that I'm looking to have a nice little April, turn those over, 
Um, and then buy basketball more for to, to get towards the, you know, get towards the nationals. So how about our man, Jimmy, let's set the, the audience up for this weekend at Kentucky basketball cards on Instagram. And he's one of the most beloved guys in the card oh community. God. And I, I consider him a, a philanthropist. You know, this is a guy that pulled a Zion uh, RJ Barrett, one of one autograph. He got the thing graded himself. He ends up auctioning it off and donating it to uh, an orphanage that was special near and dear to his heart. So this is what type of guy we're dealing with, with Jimmy. And all, we have a chance to go to Lexington every spring and summer for the horse races. And his shop was opening last fall. I just missed it before I had to go back to mm-hmm. Los Angeles, but I've been following it. I see he's got the Rupp Arena core. He's got the PSA 10s, the packs, the LeBrons and everything. So Jimmy is going to jump on board with us. And I cannot wait to get into that shop and do these Instagram lives this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I don't think I've ever met a, a nicer human being than Jimmy. Jimmy and I have talked over the phone now a couple times. Um, and he's going to take us to his vault. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped. It's there's over uh, no exaggeration um, for everybody out there. There's over like $10 million in cards in his vault. Um, he's thought about donating some of them and, and he's all about that. He's all about um, the people. I can't wait to pop packs from him Instagram live. And, and you gotta be on because this guy is full of surprises. God knows what he, he, he might give out. He's just that kind of guy. Um, and his cards are impeccable. Um, I would say he's the creme de la creme that I've seen so far killed. Now, when you had the LCS, the local car shop, as they call it these days, uh, obviously, you know, your dad was, your dad was the dealer of the bunch, but what was, I'm just curious what, what it's like when somebody brings in a set, you know, number one, brings in cards that you want to sell. Number one, just like when you watch Pawn Stars, you're never going to get what, what they hope for when you walk yeah. in. How do you do the deal? How do you look at it so quick? Like when you remember guys bringing a chunk of cards in, how did you guys work a deal? Well, I remember my father always used to say, listen, and it was the same like Pawn Stars. Listen, you got to tell them the true value. And by and, and at that time, Beckett was the Bible, right? You'd go to Beckett, you'd look at the card and it would say mint, near mint or whatever it was. And then you'd analyze the card and go from there. Um and guys would walk in and didn't know what they had. I mean, uh, I remember one guy named Rocky. He, he walked in um, and Tops had made Desert Storm cards. I don't know if people know about that. They made Desert Storm cards with the Desert Storm stamp. The guys that went over um, uh, over to war um, in Desert Storm. And he had brought a box of them back. Um, and we didn't know what they were worth. Like we had never seen them before. Um, so there was stuff like that, that would come in. So we would hold off and say, Hey, Rocky, bring it back. And he ended up being a good friend of the shop. Um, we brought it back. And I end up, I'm not forget. I remember telling him, I'm like, I'll be honest with you. I have no clue what these are worth at Rocky till they hit Beckett or till I read something about it. You couldn't really go over the overnet internet and find anything on them. Um, so we would handle things that way, but if somebody brought in something, yeah, we would make offers on cards. I'll never forget. The best one was, is a poor guy brought in, uh, a card and he just literally pulled it out of his pocket and it was a Lou Alcinder rookie. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I don't know if you remember the Lou Alcinder was a taller card. It was Mm -hmm. a tall one and he had it in his front pocket. And I'm like, Oh my God, did you stick that in the front pocket? He goes, yeah, why? So I don't know if it was okay before he stuck it in his front pocket, but it was like a one after he stuck it in his front pocket. But yeah. um, One guy walked in one day and um, he had the bird magic. That's how we bought the bird magic. And we gave him fair value for it. Um, he didn't because you got to understand the bird magic cards were peripheral cards that you could rip. But a lot of people ripped them. Um, and that's why that is such a valuable card, because there's two different 
cards in that set where Bird and Magic are on, and a lot of people ripped them individually, which you have. You have them ripped individually. But to have them together are, are, are hard to find. That's how we bought that. He had no clue what, what, it, what it was worth. So, um, yeah, we – it's crazy what, what people would come in with, but there's also, you know, just like anything else in Pawn Stars, there's people who go, oh I, oh, I got this for this amount of much. And I'm like, nah, you, you didn't. I'm sorry. I apologize. And sometimes you got to be honest with people. I remember when we were living together, you used to tell us all the time, man, I got all this stuff coming up from Texas. You get the collectibles, the pool table, this, and you said it for too long. I, I kind of lost faith that it would ever show up. Maybe a year of you talking about this stuff showing up. And then all of a sudden one day, here's a U-Haul at the front door and here's this massive pool table and the entire card collection, which by the way, <laughs> Yasiel Puig bought the pool table for what that's worth. But yeah. to get back to the cards, when you, when we took all these things down to the basement and I saw the Jordans, we, you had the nerve to pull one out of the case and we got to, to hold it right there under the light. But there was one card specifically or one sheet that you were excited about maybe more than I was. And now I'm excited about it over the last few months was a Bumblebee tuna card from the nineties of the Miami hurricanes. And Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, yeah. is on that. And it was just a couple months ago that a PSA 10, there's less than 100 total graded, I think. I think it was like 30 PSA 10s. But one lands for nearly 50000 And now you know you got this card in some public storage in California. So <laughs> how did you know that that Rock card in advance was going to – I mean, I'm looking at it, Okay, cool, perforated. Ray Lewis is on it. But you kind of knew five years ago that that thing would be a whale. Yeah, just because I, I left it uncut, Caleb. Listen, first of all, you, you've seen it. It's it, I have the old uncut sheet. The other part about it is, is like you, like you said, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are on it, and the Ray Lewis goes for like five hundred. The Ed Reed's a little bit less, but my thing about the Rock is, is like how well liked he is. First of all, um, and I think at that time he was starting to, uh, you know, sort of tinker with putting himself on the presidential ballot, and and and, and then I thought to myself, okay. I'm sitting on this for a little while. Now you see the card going up more and more. Then it goes for 45,000 ripped. Now I've been told to leave it unripped as of right now um, and leave it intact. I'm going to talk to Billy more about it. Um, And my part about it is too. listen, the XFL and the CFL are thinking about merging together. Rock is part of that. Um, Like I said, if he puts himself on the presidential ballot, all he needs to do is put himself on the ballot. If he doesn't have to run, that card is going to reach the hundred thousand dollar status. It just really is. Um, and, and it's just, it's just crazy to me that it's a oh, Warren Sapp is also, it's that Warren Sapp took his job and, the, and it's like Warren Sapp, Ed Reed and like Ray Lewis on that thing or whatever, or in, in Dwayne Johnson's card is going to make that sheet or that card. I think, it's going to hit a hundred thousand, I think within the next year and a half to two years. When you think, I mean, the guy that bought it for 45,000, he flipped it already. He tried to flip it already. Did he not? I believe him. Like I said, there's like 30 something uh, in existence. So you got one of the rare few and especially with his stature and profile, I think you're, you're sitting on a big one. Yeah. I just, I've asked a zillion questions to people, whether to rip it or not. I mean, I mean, how do you rip it? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the, it's in the dead center. That's the crazy part about it is it when you bend it, when you bend it, it's right on his. So the bottom of the card is always going to be perfect because it's the natural bend is at the rock. I don't know if I'm making any sense. So um, that's why the bottom of it has never been graded. That's why I think it's always graded pretty high. It's just they got to look at the surface because they can't bang you on the uh, perforated edges. It's just the surface. So. Um, I know the surface is good. It's going to be a nine or a 10. Um, 
But then again, there's always that little worry that when you cut it and we're thinking about maybe ripping it on, on, on maybe an Instagram live, we got to talk to some people about it. Um, I don't know. I don't I really don't know what I'm going to do with it. I, I, you know, I got some other pieces that, that also as well. I got the Glavin um, 300 length piece. Um, I got the, the game card and that now, hold one on, you, is, hold on. you caught Tom Glavin's 300th and he's got a sweet glove that he signed right there on the stitching. Yeah. You. Yeah. So I got, I got the 300th game card and that was stamped by major league baseball right after the game was over with. Um, so there's only, that's the only one it's like, you can still see the rip from the dugout wall um, signed by the whole team with Tom's 300 win. And he's saying, thank you for catching the game. Um, you know, the hall of fame has offered me stuff for that, but that's something that, probably I'd want to keep or I, or down the line, I'd probably actually give, give back to Tommy um, because he doesn't have it. You know what I mean? It is something he gave me a glove and maybe that's good enough for me. Um, Tommy's a great kid. And matter of fact, his son just got a a scholarship to pitch, pitch at Wake Forest. So he's a little pumped up. Well, Paul and I are so pumped to have everybody signed on here. This is going to be a fun journey leading up to the national shout out to cousin Sal, who's giving us 10 K a pop to spend on these cards. And we're going to be giving it back to everybody that's tuning in again, Instagram live on the weekends. And this weekend, especially at Paula Duca 16 at Jersey underscore Mojo for myself and our man, Jimmy, who we're going to see his shop for the first time at Kentucky basketball cards. We're going to be ready to roll on Friday. So check out on Instagram. We're going to promote the exact time of when that's going to start. And I think you're going to love it. So Paulie, we're going to do it again next time and yeah. throughout. And now we're going to eventually start to hitting some, uh, some buy it nows and auctions here on eBay. Yeah, definitely. And this, um jersey of, of matt harvey i will give away to somebody that wants it he's pitching well this spring so um maybe that'll be another part of the trivia question on instagram live on friday i'm gonna bring this jersey with me to kentucky if you want it listen i know a lot of Mets fans probably want to burn it but if you want it i'm gonna give it away with some packs how about that Here all right that is it for episode one and until next time we hope that all your rookie cards are gems <laughs>